0: like. So Pastor Ray is going to come and and preach a great message. We're so excited to have him be able to minister to all of you this morning. Thank you so much. All right. All right. What a gift it's been. How many of y'all had a great week? All right. I don't understand the sliding scale, but I hope you're going to help it slide in the right direction, whatever that means. Um, But I I hope you're planning to come back next year. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, I know that uh, I got my calendar out last night, circled the dates, began to highlight my way in, and so I hope that you will do the same. Father, as we open your word now, I pray, Lord God, in the same way you met us on the side of the mountain while we're sitting in the sun and then under the stars, God, in the same way that we uh, felt your presence while we were dancing in the pits and while we're uh, raising our hands and and, and cheering for bands and and musicians and artists, the same way we were bouncing up and down in the big tent in the back until the early hours of the morning with those who were rapping and the same way we were swinging our hair around, or at least some people were, down on the fringe stage. God, in the, same, in the same way that we, we saw you in the joy that kids were having playing volleyball and gaga, in the same way that we met you in those tasty fries that were smothered with bacon and cheese, I pray, Lord God, that we would meet you here and now as we enjoy a time in your word. But God, I pray that we not just enjoy it. I pray, Father, that you would charge us up, prepare us to send us out for what you have ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in thinking about what to share after an amazing week of messages, uh, you know, and thinking about, like, all right, Lord, if you wanted to give a culminating word to us today, what might you say? Um, This is where I landed, and I hope that this lands for you as well. God is with us. Like, this is it. Like, you could actually pack up your chairs now and go home, because everything I'm going to say after that is just reiterating this simple fact. God is with us. And I think that we need to both... Hear that as an encouragement, but also receive that as a charge. We hear it as an encouragement to know that okay, God, you being with us, there's nothing I'll face, there's nothing I'll go through where I'll have to go through it alone. You're there, you're present. As I'm driving home and and and, 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 and you know the the, the 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 rental the rental doesn't drive the way I, I hoped it would because it didn't get packed the way it did on the way out and now everything is shaking a little bit, a little bit extra, and I'm afraid that I left somebody behind at the festival. That's all right. God is with us. In the, same, in the same ways that we can say God is with us when we face things that are terrifying, and that serves as a great reminder, Might we also say God is with us in ways that are encouraging, and that serves as something that, that, that lifts us up, that, that, that undergirds us. Charles Spurgeon said this, God is with us. And as a result, his power is all around us. Greg Laurie said, God is watching us, but he loves us so much that he can't take his eyes off of us. We may lose sight of God, but he will never lose sight of us. Henry Blackaby said it this way. He said, we should thank God for being with us, not ask God to be with us. That's a given. J.I. Packer said this. He said, the peace of God is first and foremost being at peace with God. It is the state of affairs in which God, instead of being against us, is for us. No account of God's peace, which does not start here, can can do anything other than mislead. God is with us. So I'm going to try to say a couple of things this morning that, uh, you know, you might want to hang on to and try to remember. Here's the first one. Because God is with us, God desires intimacy for us and from us. God desires intimacy for us and from us because he's with us. If you were to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. In Acts 17, I'm going to rattle off a couple of verses, but in Acts 17, 27, it says this. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God set things up, kicked life into motion. You know, the Bible says that God has prepared in advance for us a number of good works for us to do. God has set things up ahead of us that we might be able to seek him through it, draw near to him, and find him. David in the Psalms is sitting, and he's in a hiding place, and he uses the illustration in that place to say, God, there's nowhere where I could ever hide from you. Everywhere around me, you are to be found. Everywhere I go, you're there, and it's not just in the places that you would naturally think of, like your Sunday mornings in your steeple church or in your gymnasium. It's not just at the table when you're praying for your meal that God is present. But last uh, this morning, when I got up at uh, around quarter of six and I walked out onto the hill, I'm standing far way, like it's far, way over there. And I walked out on the hill, and I looked out, and I could see the number of empty spots where you could see a tent was sitting for a week, and now the grass was brown, and it was left a mark, you know, an demarcation of, uh, of people having been there. I looked over, and I could see where the people had played volleyball, and you could see like the, 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 on the crown of the hill, you could see the browning from everybody running over the grass, And I looked out there and I thought to myself, wow, like, God, you were present in all of those places. I have no idea what those conversations were like. I was a part of maybe three of them. I don't know what all the rest of them were like all over this field, but God, you were present in every one of those spaces. You were in every one of those moments. You were with every kid who ran to the back to the big tent for prayer. You were with every single person who gathered up here in the barn over here for prayer. You were with the hundreds of people who were up in the woods at each of the woods talks, not to mention the people who were hanging around in hammocks. God, you were present in all of those places. It's as if you were making yourself available that we would just reach out and you would be found. Matthew eighteen twenty is the reminder that for where there are two or three or where two or three are gathered in that space, God, you are there. <laughs> Whoa. Well, how much more is that true here? Well, that's kind of a trick question. It's it's not any more true. It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same, that that God is as present with you in your nuclear family as he is on the side of the mountain when you're worshiping with hundreds and thousands of people. Amen? That God is as present. No, thank you, sir. God is as present with you. God is as present with you on the ride home today, tomorrow, or if Ben has his way, maybe on Wednesday because you stayed around longer to help out. God is as present with you all the way through that as he is with you right now as you sit here under the sound of my voice. So God is reminding us that what he wants for us is what he wants from us. And that is intimacy with him. He's making himself available for that. Joshua 1.9, he gives this command. Have I not commanded you already? Be strong, be courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't be anxious or afraid because I am with you, Isaiah 41.10. Don't be anxious because I am your God. I keep on strengthening you. I'm truly helping you. I'm surely upholding you with my victorious right hand. God is present. God is available. God is longing for intimacy with you. Can you imagine being in a forever kind of relationship with somebody you feel forever distant from? Can you imagine being in a committed, tied, unique, no other relationship like it, and yet feeling so far away from? Now, I'm, I, might be, I might be striking a chord with somebody, and if I am, I, I'm, I'm significantly sorry that that's a situation you're in. But I can tell you one thing. I might not be able to speak to your marital situation right now, but I can speak to your heavenly situation. I can tell you that God desires something very different for you and with you. And I can tell you that what he is willing to do, what he has already done, he splayed for you again this week. He met you on the side of the hill. He availed himself to you in the midst of thousands. Did you anybody have a moment? You don't need to raise your hand. Just think about it. Did anybody have a moment, maybe when somebody was speaking or maybe when one of the musicians was telling a testimony or maybe during a song where you recognized that there were thousands of people around you and yet you still felt like you had a unique spot before the, you don't need to raise your hand, but you still felt like you had a unique spot before the Savior? Like it was as if God and you were having a moment in conversation, even though there was hundreds or thousands of people around you. You're like, wow, God, like you were present with me in that moment. Now here's something really crazy, blows your mind. He was present with me in that moment too. Even though you were having that unique moment with God that only you could have, so was I. And so was the person next to you and probably the person next to them. And that is crazy to think about the fact that God avails himself in this way. But I can tell you something. It is God's desire to have this intimate walk with you. So not only does God desire to have intimacy with us, not only are we to be reminded that God is present with us, but I want to say this to us this morning, especially to those of us who are going through a difficult time. God is with you, and he knows what you're going through. Maybe this is just meant to be an encouragement for you and you can tuck it into your back pocket if you're not in that spot right now. Maybe there'll come a day where where you are in a spot that is a little bit more difficult and you'll need the reminder that God is still present and that he knows what I'm going through. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verses 38 and 39. You probably remember these verses offhand, but he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any, any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is found in Jesus our Lord. Come on, somebody. You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me when I'm in the depths of it, when I feel like there's gators all around me and something's going to get me, when I feel like I got myself into something I can't get myself out of, you mean to tell me that God is still present and he's not letting me go? When I'm facing the sword, God is still present and he's not letting me go? When I'm making a choice that's absolutely wrong, God is still present. He's not letting me go. When I got to walk out the reality of the choices that I made, God is still present, and he's not letting me go. You see, I could tell you about a time when I was standing in the chapel of my church. I was in the little chapel over here, waiting to go into the sanctuary, and I had this encounter with God. Uh, it, It was undeniable. It was as if... Time had just paused, and God was speaking directly with me. I was overcome with tears, and I was overwhelmed with joy. I walked out into the sanctuary, and I turned, and I faced down the aisle, and I waited. And I had not been filled with this kind of joy before. And I waited. And the back doors of the sanctuary opened up, and there she was. And she began to progress down the aisle. And I knew that God was with me in this moment that was that was the most beautiful thing I had seen. God was present, and he wasn't letting me go. So I could tell you about a good time in which, I, w- in which I felt the presence of God because of the joy that was in my life. But some of us need a reminder when we're walking in the valley, that God is still present, and he's not letting us go. Right? Some of us are like, man, this has been a great week, but I got to go back to reality tomorrow. Huh. Tomorrow's a holiday. I go back to reality on Tuesday, and you're like, man, it starts back up, Pastor Ray. I need a reminder right now that God is still present, and he's not going to let me go. So when you're walking in it, I need to remind you that God is still present with you, and he's not going to let you go. Let me try to give you two more points this morning. I think you could start in the book of Genesis and you could end in the book of Revelation. If you had to find a common theme, there'd be two threads that you would find. One points to the other. The first and primary thread you would find is that God has started a journey from beginning to end that is a pursuit of you. The second theme theme that you would find is that pursuit comes in the form of Jesus Christ. So let me say it this way. God loves us immensely immensely. 1 John 3 says this, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Friends, this morning, I want to say this to you clearly. God loves you. And this is not about the person next to you. This is about you in this moment. God has a love-desired relationship with you. And as a display of that love from the beginning of time until God stops keeping time, all the way through, there's a pursuit, and that is the heavenly Father pursuing you. You. You are the star of his eye. You're his favorite child. I've got four. Hey, y'all. And at any given point, the one in front of me is my favorite one. You are his favorite child. You are pursued by the heavens at an extremely expensive price. Willingly and willfully the Father expresses his love to you. Friends, I don't know if you understood that this morning. Willingly and willfully, the Father expresses his love for you. How much do I love you? This much. This much. I'll overturn every rock. I'll walk with you in every valley. I'll whisper to you, I'll speak softly to you. I'll give a commanding voice over you. I'll tell you in every possible way, I love you. I love you. I love you. And for some of us, that language is so hard to hear because we have such a confused view of what love is. So God continues to just chip away at it. I love you. What love looks like. Surrender and yield. This is what love looks like. Sacrifice. This is what love looks like. Pursue. This is what love looks like. And over and over again, the same thing the Father says to us. I love you. No matter what it costs me, I love you. So friends, if you've been following along, I've been trying to help us understand that God is with us. I've been trying to help us understand that that God will do anything to tell us how much he loves us, and now I want to send us with something really important. We get the opportunity to say, okay, now what? How many of you play chess? Play the game of chess? Okay, let's rephrase, because not enough of you for that illustration. How many of you have ever played chess? How many of you that's why you don't play chess? <laughs> Amen. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I was real I was really good at chess when my kids were four. And once they learned how the pieces work, I'm not so good anymore. But here's what I understand about games like that. And it could be anything. It doesn't have to be chess. It could be any kind of any any kind of illustration you can go with with this. But when you're playing against an opponent You move, they move, you move, they move. You both are trying to win, right? And in order to win, you've got to calculate and then make calculated decisions in terms of how to counter your opponent's move. So they move, and you've got to think okay, they're trying to get here, I'm trying to get there, what do I need to do? Well, that illustration doesn't exactly fit because God isn't trying to counter our moves. And, by the way, if he were, like, he could just kind of snap the fingers and it could be over, right? So so it's not that. But God has made the move. He'll make another one and another one and another one. I just tried to tell you that point. And that's his dis- display of love for us. But he's made the move. And it's actually our turn. It's our turn. And we'll get a turn all the time. We'll constantly keep getting our turns. But specifically, the move that God has just made has been five days long for you here on the side of a mountain. And that five days has been investment in you. Now, look, I recognize that many of you have invested a ton to make this five days happen, right? So you've been investing to help make it happen for other people. But I hope you didn't miss the opportunity. Hey, let me just give a side point. Any youth pastors in the room? Anybody bring families or kids here? Like you were in charge of some people. Okay, thank you. Let's celebrate those folks. Thank you for doing that. Anybody volunteer this week? Volunteer this week? Yeah. Anybody get volunteered this week? Yeah, okay. So here's my charge to all of you if you ever come back, and I hope you do. Here's my charge to you. Keep pouring out the way you did this week but make sure you identify a moment where you say, I'm not pouring out right now. It doesn't have to be a a whole day. You can just identify one speaker or one band or one 20-minute walk up the mountain. Like, identify a moment where you just say, I'm not pouring out right now. I just want to be an empty cup that God can fill, right? So, if you didn't get a chance to do that this week, I just want to put that in your mind so you, you, you set that time aside. I was a youth pastor 15 years bringing students up here to the festival, and I would, I, I'd bring lots of kids and lots of adults, and I would say to every adult, I need you to work more hours than you do at your, at your real job, but here's what I can give you. You can look at the schedule and pick out one thing that is yours and just highlight it, circle it, and I don't want to see you during that time. So if it's a band, if it's a speaker, if you want to go see the Rick Harmony, like whatever it is you want to see, whatever it is you want to see, go to, that, go to that and enjoy that and just get filled up and then come back and pour out for everybody else the rest of the week. I hope you can hear that, save that, put that in the reservoir for next year. You say, man, that was a good tip. That was worth the price of admission right there. Back to what I was saying about the message, though. It's our turn. It's our turn. It's our turn to figure out what to do. God has just spent five days investing in you cheering cheering for you building you up undergirding you reminding you of who you are telling you your identity giving you the words that he needed to give you and now he said hey i love you i'm pursuing you i'm filling you up i'm getting you ready what are you going to do in response and this is it we shall grow in our walk with Christ this is our response Now you say, wow, that's not as profound as I was hoping for. I know. All the New Testament writers have already said it. I just get to repeat it. Go with me to Colossians. Paul writes in the book of Colossians. I'm in chapter 1. I'm looking at verses 9, 10, and 11. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9, 10, 11. If you're not going to turn there, that's totally cool. Just go ahead and note that so you can check it out later. This is what it says. For this reason, since we heard about you. This is Paul saying We've not stopped praying for you. He's talking to the church. He says, church, since the day I heard about you, uh, my spirit has been encouraged to pray for you. I've continually asked God to fill you up with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit might give. That's verse 9. Paul says, since I heard about you, since I met you on the side of a mountain, since I saw you out there worshiping the creator, I've just been praying that God would pour himself out into you and over you. He would fill you up. He would get you ready. Now, you have to say, ready for what? That's a good answer. But no, you actually have to say, ready for what? Come on. That's the question. All right. So, Paul, I've been praying for you that God would fill you up and get you ready. Ready for what? That you may live a life that is worthy of the Lord, that you might please God in every way. I didn't say it. Paul did. That you might bear fruit to every good work that is growing in the knowledge of God, that you might be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance with the people of God. Paul says, church, here it is. We went on that journey together. We came to the mountainside. We worshiped God. And now I'm praying, as you get in your cars and your vans, I'm praying that God would go ahead of you and pour himself out all over you and fill you up on your ride home. But why? So that you might bring glory and honor to God the way that you walk going forward. That you might live in such a way that pleases God in every situation and every decision that you make. That you might grow in your knowledge of God and that you might be strengthened and have all of the power according to the glorious uh, might that God has. Then you might have endurance and patience to run the race that he has you in. You might give thanks to God as you're qualified to receive the inheritance that he's already given you. Hey, y'all, creation is just about over. But what if these words from Paul were just true of us right now? What if you just looked around and just said, hey, now that I met you, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you might go and grow in Christ. I'm praying that the Spirit of God might be around you. It might be all over you. That you might live a life that is worthy of God. That you might live a life that pleases the Lord. That you might make decisions that are right before God. Why? So that you might live in such a way that you're qualified for what he's already promised you. In other words, that you might live into the reality of who you are. I shared a few minutes ago, I have four kids. I've got a beautiful wife. She's back there sipping coffee, trying to stay awake. we have got four kids, and, uh, and, and our four kids have been PKs their whole life. They didn't ask to be a PK. Like, mom and dad just felt the sense of a call to be pastors, and they felt the sense of call to be our kids. <laughs> and so as a result, they're pastors' kids. At some point, our kids have realized each on their own, we've never talked to them about it, they've just realized each on their own that, hey, being a, being a pastor's kid is, is a little different. It's not better, it's not worse, it's just a little different, right? Like, we're not only pastors, they're not only pastors' kids, they live at the, they live at the church. Like, they literally live at the church. And so, like, their whole world of understanding is on that corner. And they had this revelation, each to their own at some point, like, oh, my life just is a little different. Now, they haven't had the ability to articulate it this way, but I think this is what they're saying. I realize that the last name on the back of my jersey says Garcia. I didn't ask to be a Garcia. Just God ordained me to be a Garcia. And God asked Daddy Garcia to pastor of this church, and then therefore the last name on the back of my jersey is the same name as the pastor of the church. How do I live into my last name? How do I grow into that? Watch this, y'all. The way you do it when you're three is different than when you're 10, and it's different than when you're 15, and when you're Breach in high school and about to go to college, and you're in that 17, 18, 19 range, it's different again, right? If anybody who was 18 was making decisions like they were three, everybody would be like, mm. come on, y'all understand that, right? You didn't get what you want, you flipped over the chair, you're like, mm, wait a minute, you know, you fell on the floor, and, ah, you know, wait a minute, right? But there's an expectation that we have naturally that all the way through, You're going to keep growing into your name. You're going to keep growing up into the person that God has ordained you to be. Well, creation, I want to say this. I expect that I won't recognize any of you next year. Because who you are now will be, uh, who you will be will be a giant in the faith in comparison to who you are now. Can somebody hear that this morning? Who you will be over this next year as you grow into the name that's on the back of your jersey, you will be a giant in the faith in comparison to who you are now. Simply why? Because we're praying with you and for you that you would every day come to understand that God is for you. He loves you immensely. He has paid a great price for you. And that our response is that we would grow with Christ. Hey, if you're going to write this down, write this down, uh, because I'd fail if I didn't send you out with an actual action plan. Here you go, really quickly. I promise it'll take a minute and a half. Here are the four steps that I think will help you if you want to put this into action. One, make a daily practice of honoring the Lord. Every day, just find a way to honor God. Do it in your walk with Him. Do it in your quiet time with Him. Maybe part of it is actually speaking honorably to and about God. But honor the Lord in your daily walk. Number two, choose to take a step today and again tomorrow to grow in Christ. That could mean a, a reading plan. That could mean God's asking you to be a faithful giver. That could mean, you you know, you come to the festival, but you're not showing up in church, and now you're going to start showing up in church. It could mean God's been working on you to start a Bible study in your house, and you're going to do that. Whatever it is that God has been working on you in, just take the next step in that direction, too. Number three, I think this one might be the most important. Reevaluate who you surrounded yourself with. Surround. Yourself with people who are who look like Christ. I love the fact that Paul says, "When you can't see Christ, look at me because I'm running in His direction." Right, and so I just surround yourself with godly people. Get godly people in your life. Find somebody and say, "Hey, you look a lot like the God who I want to know, and so I want to get to know you." Uh, go up to somebody and say, "Hey, I, I don't know what this means, but the speaker told me to say it." So. I'm- it? Would you would you spiritually parent me for the next year? Would you be a spiritual giant in my life for the next year? Ask somebody around you who looks like Jesus to help you understand how to look more like Jesus. And then, lastly, take a step to say, "God, I trust you." Remember that time when you were young and you said, "God, I trust you." You surrendered your life to the Lord, and you didn't know what that meant. You were just like, "I trust you." You didn't know how much that meant. You just In that moment, you, everything you knew, you said, I trust you, God. I, I, want, I want you to be mine. Uh, uh, heaven, not hell, right, whatever that looked like. With a childlike faith again. Just trust God. Trust I don't know how this is going to work out. God, I trust you. I don't know if I'm going to get the promotion or if I'm going to get fired. God, I trust you. I, I don't know if we're going to get rained out at the festival or if we're going to make it. God, I trust you. I don't know if anybody's going to show up or they're not going to show up. God, I trust you. I don't know if when I get home somebody's going to say something nice to me or mean to me, but God, I trust you. God, I just trust you. So let me say them to you again real quick. I told you it would be a minute and a half. I've only used a minute and 20. Honor God in your walk. Grow in Christ. Surround yourself with godly people. And trust God in every circumstance. Please stand to your feet as I say this prayer over you. Church and I do mean every aspect of that word when I say it, church, may the peace of Christ, the closeness of the Holy Spirit, and the refuge of the Father forever be yours. And God, as we prepare to go from this place, but never from your presence, I pray, Father God, that you would be ahead of us I pray, Father God, that you remind us. Remind us that you are for us. Remind us, God, that that you love us immensely. Remind us, God, that you desire intimacy with us. Remind us, Lord, what you are doing. God, that you are with us. And wherever we go from here, wherever that road might take us, Lord, might we go with our eyes fixed on you. And in the moments when we can't see, might we fix our eyes on someone who's walking with you and ask them to help us to see and discern the way. Until we come together again, and Lord, I pray by your will that we would come together again. The only thing that might impede that, Father, is that you might come back. God, that you might come back. But Lord, if, if, if you have not yet come back a year from now, then I pray that we be gathered together again in this place. And I pray that there will be hundreds and thousands of people who are overflowing the fields and bands that are singing in worship and, and speakers that are speaking gospel truth and, and young people that are finding hope and, and, and old people who are having their hope restored and some people who are complaining the music is too loud and some people who are saying turn it up and, and a whole bunch of people who want more smothered. French fries with cheese and bacon. And God, and all of the fun things that'll come at this festival if you allow us to have it again next year. But God, from now until then, keep your people and keep us fixated on you. Lord, we love 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 you. I'll confess it till they confess it. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. Because we know, Lord, that you loved us first. In the mighty name of Christ, amen. Amen.